Thanks for listening to the New Revival Podcast. I'm Levi. And I'm Beth. And on today's episode, we have Austin and Annie Grace Till. They are church planners to China. Record on this, and we are good to go. Uh, Well, thanks for being here. Um, If you wouldn't mind introducing yourselves, that'd be great. Yeah, sure. So, uh, my name is Austin. My name is Annie Grace. Awesome. And you guys are um, missionaries to China, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. All right. Um, you guys are missionaries that we heard about through uh, Brady Van Winkle. Mm-hmm. He told us, he's like, you gotta have you got to have Austin on. So, uh, my dad made the contact as far as getting a hold of you guys to come up here. Um, so, you just, just, for everybody listening, you guys... Um, came to our church tonight uh, to kind of fill us in on your mission and that's kind of what I want uh, this podcast to be is just kind of an explanation of your guys's mission and who you are and what you plan on doing um, w- with this mission great like I said Beth and I are still kind of new to this whole interview thing so <laughs> yep yeah so uh, I guess we'll get right into it um, how did the two of you meet okay um, how did we meet uh, well so um, it's uh pretty interesting story in that uh well for those of you out there uh, my wife she's chinese uh i was living in china teaching english uh for five years and so a few years into that um uh, we uh, crossed paths and she actually uh grew up in a in a christian home um but at the time was not in church was kind of trying to avoid church um and and just kind of you know live for herself do her own thing and we met, and she was kind of under the impression, you know, growing up in China, that all um, all foreigners, specifically all Americans, were Christian. And so she kind of having that background, she just figured that might be a good way to strike up a conversation. Mm-hmm. We started talking, um, and one thing led to another, and I figured out that though she grew up in that environment, um, you know, I, I asked her, I said, are you, are you a believer? And she said, well... Um, you know, my, my mom's a believer. Um, I believe that there's a God, but I don't know if that makes me saved. Um, I encouraged her to go back to church with her mom, but uh, she wasn't really wanting to go back there. Uh, so she started coming to church with me. And, um, you know, one thing led to another, and here we are. So um, it was kind of a uh, pretty interesting thing, uh, us crossing paths that way and inviting her to church. But uh, the Lord's been very good to us. Okay, awesome. I'm going to ask some questions that uh, you answered during uh, tonight's um, presentation, mission, I don't, uh, whatever you would consider that presentation. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I guess we'll call it that. Um, but so you said you're from um, Mobile, Alabama. Yeah. All right. So and I'm just kind of filling some some of my notes that I took tonight. Um, you, you said you were in college and you got the opportunity to go on a trip to China for mm-hmm. was it two weeks? Yeah, it was about two or three weeks. Two or three weeks. Um, I guess. And and that was to not only help teach English, but more specifically to explain or show uh, 
the students there in China what Christmas is about, correct? That's right. So on our, on our side of things, it's totally a missions trip. I mean, we are going to share the gospel with them. But on the Chinese side of things, even like leadership or I guess teachers and whatnot there at the university, they're thinking we are having these Americans in to share this aspect of American culture mm-hmm. with the students. And that was kind of our foot in the door for that first trip. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so I guess what, what were you going to school for? Yeah, so I was um, I was in school down at the uh, University of Mobile. Actually, um, it's a uh, a Christian school, so I was there mm-hmm. uh, studying. Uh, well, they call it Christian studies, but more or less like theology. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And um, were you pretty close to being done with school whenever you went to China for the first time? Uh, I was. Let's see. That was um, that was my sophomore year. So rent or okay. break of my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. Okay. And had you, I guess, going to China for the first time, were you thinking it all about missions or being called to the mission field or anything like that? Or was this just more of an opportunity that arose during school? Um, I was thinking along those lines. So previously, back in high school, I had been on two missions trips, uh, one for a few weeks to Brazil Mm. and then another one to the U.K., Um, the one to Brazil, actually, um, it was during that trip that... um, I I felt the Lord calling me to preach, and then it was um, just a few weeks later, I guess about a month after that trip to Brazil, I was at a youth camp in Florida, and um, it was there that I surrendered to be a missionary. But at mm. that point, so I was, at that point I'm 16 years old, mm. but I still wasn't sure where I would want to go. I was still kind of, you know, open to, to different places. And so the year later I went to the UK and the UK was a great trip. We had a good time, was able to share the gospel with quite a few people, but I kind of left that trip thinking, uh, and I can't really place why I had this feeling, but I just thought, yeah, I don't know that Europe's for me. Um, yep. And so then it was uh, a couple of years later, about two years after that, I had that opportunity to go to China and I was just blown away with um, with how different the culture was, but then all, how different the upbringing of the people was mm-hmm. as well. And um, specifically, and like I mentioned tonight, I, I basically had this uh, this young man looking at me. Uh, he had approached uh, our, our group there, and and my, my friend had asked him, "What do you know about Jesus?" And he kind of kind of cocked his head and looked at me funny, and he said, "What is Jesus?" Mm-hmm. And that that question right there just floored me because you know you you think well. Uh, well, you know, what is Jesus is, you know, I grew up learning about him. I was going right. to church all the time growing up. I mean, church is just what, what I did in America. Mm-hmm. That's what so many other Americans do. When I grew up, everyone around me said that they were a Christian. They were all going to church or most of them, you know. And um, I, I just thought, well, everybody knows at least something about him. They may not mm-hmm. believe him. They may not claim him as, as their Lord. They may not trust him as Savior, but they know something. And, and then, you know, you're, you're eyeball to eyeball with this guy who's like, uh, what is Jesus? He doesn't even know enough about him to know that he's a who right. instead yeah. of a what. And uh, the Holy Spirit really used that conversation with him to kind of open my eyes to the fact that there are some really dark places in this world, and there are places where Jesus hasn't been named. And um, and I, and I I was like, wow, this is a huge country. You know, you've got a country of it's. Um, nearly a billion and a half people Mm -hmm. and um you know how many more people in this country are like him and don't know anything and and the lord used that to um to to do a work in my heart and i I surrendered during that trip to be a missionary to china so you knew right then it was going to be china Mm -hmm. pretty much um so what what part of china was this in that was in south central china so that's in a, a province called oh man i'm gonna going to mess this up because i always get the capital city of the province and the province itself mixed up but i think it's uh and annie grace you can help me with this guizhou shishan 
，是吧？然后贵阳是首是那个省会，好像。贵州。Okay, so um, um, so for everyone out there,、uh, my wife she's still working on English, so I was just confirming things with her. But anyway, we were in, I believe it's, <coughs> excuse me, we were in um. Guizhou Province and the capital city of that province is Gui is called Guizhou, and honestly, I don't remember if we were in the capital city or if we were in another city in that province when we were at this university. I don't recall、mm -hmm. that offhand,、um, but it was there, and I didn't know it at the time. But looking back, that's actually、um, not a super poor part of China per se, but it's definitely not the wealthiest part,、mm -hmm. and it's、um, and so. Uh, my first encounter with China was more with people that、um, hadn't grown up with as many foreign influence around them、um, and things like that.、Um, but at the same time, I mean, that just it, it showed me that you know in China, so many people that know nothing about the gospel, and the Lord used that to kind of break my heart、right. over、mm -hmm. what was going on there. So after those two or three weeks that you were there.、Um, I know you'd mentioned you'd been back a, a few times since. How many times had you gone back? I guess prior before meeting any grace,、uh, how many times had you been to China? Yeah, so、um, I had that trip in '07, another trip in '09, and each of those were about two or three weeks. And then I moved to China December of 2010 to teach English. And so、um, now that first time I was there after I moved, I was actually only there a couple months, and they had Chinese New Year. There wasn't much going on. I hadn't made a lot of friends yet, so I came back for about a month. Then I went back again and was there for、uh, I want to say about two and a half years.、Uh, came back again to the states for about a month. Went back, and within a few months, Annie Grace and I met,、um, and then we were there for、uh, another, I guess, about two and a half years. We got married, and then、uh, we've been back here since. Now was that in the same part of China that you went to the the first time, or did you go back to different places?、Uh, the first that's actually the that first trip in '07 was the first and only time I've ever been to that province.、Okay. So since then, that、uh, both the time in '09 and then when I moved were all in the same place, and、mm -hmm. that is、uh, in a province called Fujian. And if you're looking at a map of China,、uh, you would actually、uh, look at Southeast China, and you would find.、Uh, Where Taiwan is, kind of off to the southeast corner there,、mm -hmm. uh, of course the island, and then you just jump across the the Taiwan Straits is what they call the body of water there. You jump jump across there, and you'd be that province there on the coast is called Fujian Province.、Okay. So southeast China,、um, pretty much a more tropical type place.、Mm -hmm. They're on the same latitude as like Cuba and、okay. other Caribbean type places. So hotter, but it's more of a mountainous place too, and so it's、um, that kind of offsets the heat, but not by much. Okay,、mm -hmm. all right, and, and that's where you're from, Annie Grace. Is that province? You should like to Fujian, right? Hmm. Yes. Okay. Cool. And what do you think of this cold weather up here? You 感觉 Indiana 州这一带的呃气候怎么样？这么冷的天气。Very cold. I I agree with that. I had to giggle because I was with your son Abraham in the nursery while you were presenting tonight, and I changed his diaper, and I was like, "Oh, he has three pairs of pants on." You guys are not from the cold. Yeah, definitely cold up here. A lot to adjust to for him. Oh, I'm sure. So you said you were offered a job in China teaching. Was this at a college or an elementary school? Or yeah, so. 
in 2010, I was actually gearing up to go on another short-term trip to China, and long story short, got this email about a job offer that was there, um, and one of the stipulations of the offer was, we already know that you're coming on the short-term trip, so why don't you just come and stay and work this job for us? Mm. Um, and so it was a pretty crazy thing, because when I found out about it, we were like five weeks away for this from this trip to China, um, but, you know, I prayed about it, um, and, you know, next thing you know, it's... Uh, it's time to go on what would have been the short-term trip, but I'm flying over to move. And so I've got like luggage with my stuff in it and we're going. And so, um, got there and, um, the job was, it was a private school. Uh, they call it a training center and, um, it was specifically, uh, geared towards children, but it wasn't like a, um, wouldn't be like a like your your main uh, what would you even call that it wasn't just like this is school for them they have school and then they would get out of school and they would go to this it was almost like an extracurricular oh, type like, thing like a prep school kind of a thing yeah, yeah or like a maybe like you see like these learning centers even here in the oh, states gotcha. type things like 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 an extra extra class uh, okay. I forget okay. what the technical word is for that but yeah maybe like a prep school so uh, the way it worked was um, you know you have all these uh, parents that want their children to uh, to learn English so that they'll kind of have a leg up in the world and you know in the business world one day and they want they they feel like well the best way for them to to learn it would be to learn from an American to learn from uh, an Englishman to learn from an Australian someone that's a native speaker Speaker. And so there, there's all these schools throughout China that are clamoring for, um, for what they would just call a foreign teacher mm-hmm. to be able to come and to teach. And so uh, this school had a job opening for that. They were really looking for someone. They had had a previous teacher that had kind of left a bit suddenly, needed that spot filled, and through some connections that I already had there in China, um, I learned about the job and took it. Okay. Did you have any um, background in learning Chinese before you went there? Uh, I I'm assuming so, since you went there to teach. Well, not really. I, I had I had taken um, there was a a public university back in in Mobile, uh, Alabama, there that had a night class um, for uh, it was like a just like a continuing education, like you can sign up for a basic Mandarin Chinese course. Mm-hmm. But it was like two or three hours a week, and it was all in one night. And I, honestly, I didn't learn much in that class. It was basically me learning. Everything that I would have, like learning, this is what you're going to have to know to be able to speak Chinese. It was like survival Chinese. Pretty yeah, much. it was like this is you're learning what you will have. You're learning about what you will have to learn. Right. So I learned that okay, Chinese is characters. You can't just like spell right. things. You have to learn how to write characters. I learned that there's tones and that you can say a word, but if you say it with like all these different tones, it can mean all these different things. And mm-hmm. so I was basically like, okay, this is what I'm up against. Um, and I probably was armed with like a like five vocabulary words in my belt when I arrived in China oh, wow. that I'd remembered from that class. So I, I didn't know much. But having this job in the English teaching world meant that I would have a lot of coworkers that even though they may not be American or other native English speakers, they were Chinese that spoke English at different levels. Okay. And so that kind of helped ease me into the culture and things like that. Okay. I know you said whenever you first moved over there, you wanted to get plugged into um, a local church, um, which I guess I, they, that has a few questions inside of itself. But you said that, uh, uh, which page was it on? Okay, uh, yeah, so you found a church, um, and you started attending, or you got invited to their Bible study. I guess, could you, I guess, kind of explain, just like you did tonight, about that? Yeah, so, you know, I, 
you get to China and you're there, you want to serve the Lord, you're, you're wanting to be uh, on mission for him, but you're not really sure how to go about it. And I had a friend there um, in the same city, actually one that kind of helped me arrange that job, that knew of this church there in town. So I, I started attending this church, um, and really it was kind of learning Chinese and going to church in tandem, which, um, you know, it's kind of strange because you show up to church and you're like, well, I, I know I should be here, but I don't really understand what's going on. And so kind of working through that process of... Of, you know, learning as I go, um, you know, kind of being inundated with a lot of like Bible words, because, you know, when you're typically, typically learning a language, you don't necessarily start out with words like sanctification and, right. and <laughs> justification and, and propitiation and things like that. But of course, you're sitting there, and you're listening to this preacher preach a message and you're like, well, I, 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 he's probably saying those words, but I don't know. Um, and so you're trying to piece all that together. So uh, kind of uh, in that kind of being thrown into it, but it was a good thing for my Chinese. It was a good thing for me to um, to learn, um, learn the language and, and, and learn about, uh, the Chinese Bible and all of those things. Mm-hmm. And so one day, you know, they're, they're inviting me to something and I kind of pieced together, well, it's believers inviting me to something about the Bible. Um, kind of had a hunch it was a Bible study and I show mm-hmm. up and yeah, that's what it was. Um, but it was kind of weird because, you know, they're wanting me to participate, but I can't really participate because I didn't speak much Chinese at that mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of, um, you know, trying to figure out what was going on. I did have a friend that was a believer that spoke some English who could kind of translate what was going on. But it was a big accomplishment for me to just ask a question and for them to understand mm-hmm. uh, what what I said. And, um, and you know, you're thinking, yes, they understood my question. And then they answer it, and you're like, well, well shucks. Like, I don't even understand their answer <laughs> to my question. So how does that work? Like, hey, can you can you translate that for me later? Kind yeah. of thing. And, and so it was a lot of that. But uh, the Lord blessed. And, and so uh, as I continued in church and continued to there was that Bible study, and then down the road there was another one that I started going to that we, uh, myself and, and Andy Grace, started going to. And um, opportunities started to present themselves for me to occasionally lead you know, such and such Bible study on this particular date. Um, and then towards the end there, I was actually given a couple opportunities to preach um, at that Bible study. And so uh, all of that to say, the Lord was really good in giving these opportunities for me to kind of um, allow my language to keep up to catch up to the ministry that I want to do in China, um, even though it was kind of a weird set of circumstances that, right. that brought it all about. Yeah, I was going to say, it, what, what did you go to school for? Uh, the school and uh, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, back in the states. Yeah, it was. Uh, they called it Christian Studies. It was basically like a theology Christian Studies. That's type right. Thing. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I should wrote that down. Um, you said while you were over there, you found a missionary online. I'm asking these kind of out of order. I apologize. Yeah, no, no, not at place, all. But. Yeah, so so what happened was, um, you know, I'm getting involved in this church, and the Lord is allowing me these opportunities to do ministry, to occasionally lead a Bible study. I was uh, able to do hospital visitation once or twice, and, and uh, you know, there was a guy who was bedridden uh, for a time uh, from the church there, um, he wasn't able to come to church, and so one of the pastors had asked me and a group from the Bible study to go, and I basically retaught the Bible study lesson to him uh, there in the hospital. It was a pretty cool uh, experience there. Um, and so I was having all these different opportunities and wanting to do more, but I wasn't sure. You know, you hear about persecution in China, and you hear about, you know, what what what, what can American do without crossing the line? Is mm-hmm. there a line? If so, where is it? You know, all of those kinds of questions. And I was trying to wade through all those issues, and the pastors there being national pastors, they're all 
tall Chinese men, mm-hmm. they don't really know how to wade through that either. Mm-hmm. And so they weren't able to give me a lot of guidance and direction with that. You know, we we're all just kind of proceeding with caution. Well, then I start reading these blogs on the Internet, uh, specifically this one uh, missionary I'd stumbled across his blog. My dad had actually sent me uh, a link to another blog that linked me to this one. And um, I was starting to read, you know, there, there's this American that's in another part of the country, and he's being really bold in his evangelism. Uh, people are getting saved. He's establishing a church. He's training up those that he leads to the Lord in the Bible. He's discipling them. And then, you know, from among these that he's led to the Lord, there's there's these young men that feel called to preach, and he's training them up to be preachers, to be pastors. And, you know, I'm reading about all this, and I'm, I'm basically doing a comparison in my mind. I'm thinking, okay, he's doing this, and I'm over here spending 20-plus hours a week teaching kids, and then kind of on this— you know, I'm basically like a, a, a lay, I'm just a layman in the church, but I'm trying to serve as much as I can. But I look at him and I'm thinking, he's somehow doing this full time. I don't even know how he's doing it. And I want to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And how, how does all that work? And it was kind of this period of disbelief for about a year where I was just like, you know, is this really, is he really being honest? Is this what's happening? I don't know. And there were a lot of other things going on. Annie Grace and I, we were. Uh, we were dating at the time. We just gotten engaged shortly thereafter, and and then um, you know getting ready to get married, and so all that was going. on. so I just kind of put it on the back burner. It was just this thing where like every few days I go online and see if he had any updates to his blog. Um, just about all these you know good things that were going on, people getting saved, people being baptized, and all this stuff. And I was thinking, man, like I want to do that. Mm-hmm. How can I do that? Um, and uh, what, what what did what kind of preparation did he have before he came to China to know how to do all of that? Like yeah. I don't know. Like I'm trying to I'm fumbling around. Trying to figure out what to do, and he just seems like he knows what he's doing. And um, so we had been married for a couple months, and I couldn't take it anymore. I, I sent the guy an email. He had one of those forms on a site you could fill out. I sent him an email, and the I don't remember exactly what I said, but it was basically, "How do you do what you do?" Mm-hmm. So the next day, he sends me a text message. We arrange a time to talk on the phone, and we're talking. And I wanted at the time, my my thought was, okay, you know, we just got married. Could there not be a way for you know in the next few months for me to move to the city that you're in? And to kind of just learn from you for a while, mm-hmm. you know. If you, I, I don't know, maybe some of you will rub off on me or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Just I, I, I just gotta, I gotta see what you're doing. I want to figure it out and see if I can, <coughs> excuse me, see if I can somehow replicate that um, either where we are now or maybe somewhere else in China down the road. So I'm talking to him, but he he came to the to the discussion with a completely different angle. His his angle was uh, that he had been trained in in America. Um, in the Atlanta, Georgia area, there's a church, Vision Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. Currently, my and Annie Grace's uh, home church has been our home church now for the last few years. And uh, But at the time, we didn't know anything about this church. Mm-hmm. We'd never heard of it before, but uh, this missionary, he's telling us that uh, he and his wife, they had been trained at this missionary training center that was there. I never heard of that before either, um, but the the president of the training center, also the pastor of the church, uh, Brother Austin Gardner, he had been a missionary in Peru, South America for uh, nearly 20 years, and while he was there, had established many churches, trained many men to be pastors, to be preachers, and uh, in over the last uh, few years has been back here in the States and teaching Americans to kind of do what he did, to go overseas, to start churches, and to train up uh, the next generation of preachers. 
years. And so um, this missionary in China is telling me about this ministry in America that trains up missionaries. And the whole time he's talking, I'm thinking, wow, that sounds like if I had that, yeah, I think I could, I could, if I had someone to show me then I, I could probably do what, what, what you're doing too. And, and he was saying, yeah, that, that's right. And so, you know, it was a bit of an issue just because my wife had never been to the States before mm-hmm. at that point. I mean, she didn't have a passport, you know, mm-hmm. like, what do we do? Um, but within, I mean, the Lord provided within six months, we had a passport, we had a green card for her and we were oh, on wow. a flight back here to the oh, States. Awesome. So the Lord blessed and, um, he prepared that, that, that for us. And, uh, we've been back here since we went through, uh, the, the, the training there at, at the training center, um, and at the church. And then since then we've been on deputation and, uh, gearing up to head back to China. This time as full-time church planning missionaries. Okay. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so what part of China was he in that we, you went to go see him? Yeah, so, well, we actually never did go see him. Okay, so it was just um, all, all by yeah, email. Yeah, this then. was all email and phone at that point. Okay. Um, in fact, we have yet to go to that part of China, uh, strangely enough. Um, but uh, he is in uh, northeast China in a province called Liaoning and uh, in a city called Dalian. And so uh, Dalian is, now you got to keep in mind, China is a country of nearly a billion and a half people. Mm-hmm. And so in this one country that as far as land area is concerned is about the same size as the U.S., has over four times as many people mm-hmm. as we do here in the U.S. So in this one country, you have, um, I believe the number currently is over 160 cities that have at least one million in population. Oh, wow. Over 160 cities with at least 1 million in population. And that's just staggering. So like the city that Annie Grace and I were in, of course, she grew up there and that I was in those few years. uh, It's a city of city proper, like 800,000 people in the greater like metro area, like 2 million people. But people in China have never heard of this place. I've been to other parts of China and you tell them, oh, I live in Longyan uh, Fujian, and they're like, I've never heard of that. Oh, Where wow. is that? And he's like, Well, you know, in America, that's like huge, but yeah. but here it, or there, it, it's it's very small, mm-hmm. it, comparatively speaking. And so now, Dalian, where uh, where Brother Mark Tolson, this missionary, uh, where he is, this city is, uh, I believe, between six and seven million people, oh, which wow. still is is huge, but by Chinese standards, you're still talking kind of middle of the road as far as city size. Oh, wow. And so, you know, you have a person from like Shanghai, the biggest city in China, they would think, oh yeah, Dalian's kind of that small city over there, you know, mm-hmm. like that small town, small town China, you know, only only 7 million people yeah. kind of thing. Oh, um, so kind of like the Indiana of China. Like, oh, it's just Indiana. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and, and so like, uh, kind of, kind of actually, yeah, probably what I, how I would imagine someone from New York City describing Indianapolis. Oh, yeah. Okay. Kind of a thing. Um, you know, a lot of people that, that don't live in a place like Indianapolis, they're thinking, wow, that's huge, like big city. But, mm-hmm. you know, you have someone from L.A. or from New York, and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, Indianapolis. You right. know, I, I mean, it's yeah, it's a city, but, you know. Um, and so that's kind of the way they would see Dali and uh, the bigger city people there in China. You know, it's, it's kind of a middle-of-the-road type place. Okay. So, um, so, yeah, it's, um, we have never been there. Um, but it's uh, located on a peninsula there in northeast China. And so if you look at a map, um, you'd have to find Beijing, but it's uh, kind of located between Beijing and the Korean Peninsula, actually. There's this other peninsula that comes down between Beijing and the Korean Peninsula, and that's where Dalian's located. Um, Do you think you guys will ever venture out that way? Like to meet Is that, that where you're planning on going? Or? Or? Yes. So uh, our plan currently is... We'll, 
Lord willing, we will spend two years there in Dalian with uh, this missionary and his family, Brother Mark Tolson and his family. Uh, we will be there uh, for two years uh, to kind of train under them and just to kind of see how, how they have taken the training that they got at, at Vision Baptist Church and how they've implemented it and applied it to the situation in China. Mm-hmm. And then once we... Um, once we do that, Lord willing, we would uh, we would branch off and be in some other part of China to to start a church planning work there. Okay, awesome. And I guess that kind of gets us into uh, like the the meat and potatoes of of the mission. So um, I, I know you had uh, mentioned earlier that this is that is your goal is to plant these these churches to be church planters in China. Um, and I guess that kind of brings us to, like, what does a church look like in China? Because I know it's not necessarily. Like as far as Christianity, it's not necessarily mainstream, or there's not, or are there churches on the corner that have? Uh, there, there, there aren't. Now you will see. I will say, okay. Well, first of all, in China, um, even liberal estimates would say, um, you know, about five percent of China's population is Christian. Um, but that that's painting with a pretty broad brush in the Mm -hmm. sense that, I mean, you were lumping everyone that would claim to be a Christian under that umbrella. So you're talking everyone from uh, people that would uh, consider themselves Catholic to people that would consider themselves um, Jehovah's Witness, Mormon, all these different groups. Anyone that claims Christ, they would kind of lump them together and say, this is Christianity in China, around 5%. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in reality, true born-again believers, you're probably looking somewhere around 2 or 3%. And so, um, yes, there are, there are, quote-unquote, government-approved churches there uh, in China, though they are very much limited by the government as far as what they're allowed to preach, um, who is allowed to pastor, and things like that. And uh, even their, the gospel that, that they would, the quote-unquote gospel that they would adhere to on paper would specifically mention things like works, like pray this prayer, be baptized, mm-hmm. do these things, and then once you've done all these things, then you're a Christian. Mm-hmm. And so... Excuse me. It would not line up with uh, with the clear teaching of the Bible, salvation by grace through faith, and so um, there's a lot of that going on. And those would be more public because they are government approved. However, because uh, anyone that claims Christ but is not a part of one of those churches and is a part of what we might call a house church mm-hmm. or an underground church, uh, that would be considered uh, well more or less illegal activity. Um, now, in different parts of China, what you have is uh, different local governments enforce those laws differently, mm-hmm. and so in some places things are more strict. In other thing, in other places, uh, the uh, enforcement of those laws is a little bit more loose. And so what you'll have is in some parts of China, it's really hard to to find a body of believers that's that's doing well and not constantly on the move. And then in other places, you think, well, there's a few hundred people here, and they seem to be doing just fine. Um, and so churches there, you know, it, I would say that churches that we would look to start probably wouldn't, um, we, we would pro- it would probably not be wise to, say, have a church sign out front, you know, First Baptist Beijing yeah. um, <laughs> kind of thing. Um, street preaching is probably not going to be a wise move either. And then even with, like, tract distribution, you'd have to be a, little, a bit more careful with how you go about doing that. Yeah. Um, but then you would want to be bold in other ways. And, and one way that um, that other missionaries that are currently there have, have done and are doing that seems to, to work is to use things like, for instance, English as kind of a, an, a, a draw. Um, you know, you would invite people to uh, this English club. They call it English Corner, uh, more commonly in China. 
and people kind of understand that English Corner is you get together and everyone speak, it sits in a circle and speaks English. Well, uh, they particularly like English Corners where there's going to be an American present. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of a good thing. And then you, know, you would invite them to that. Uh, and you could even be very bold in the English Corner in English and you could make the topic, well, you know, what is, um, who is the most important person in your life? And so, you know, they're going around, well, I, my, 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 the most important in my life is my mom, is my grandma, is my teacher. And then you say, well, the most important person in my life is Jesus. And you can just mm-hmm. share the gospel with them. Mm-hmm. And then, but then, but they're thinking, okay, well, I'm practicing English. Well, then you get through that and you can, you can say, well, hey, let's, uh, let's uh, connect on social media. And I would love to invite you to learn more about, uh, more about the Bible with us in Chinese this upcoming Sunday. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a way to, to, you know, uh, get people in and let them know about who you are and what you're there for. That's great. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Um, how does uh, Dalian view um, these churches? Is it pretty much, is it more on the enforcer side or more on the lax side? Well, things are actually kind of changing even even currently right now. And so, um, and I don't know how true what, what I'm about to say is, is as far as, you know, uh, you see a lot of things in the news and you're not really sure. There was actually an article that came out about the city of Dalian a month or two ago that said that the police, this was an, an English article, I mean, this was written in America, um, but said that the police in Dalian were given like a quota, more or less, mm-hmm. and said you must arrest X number of believers, or I, I forget how it was worded, I have to go back and look at the article, but basically saying that in the city of Dali, and this was just in the last couple of months implemented, and um, you know, I'd asked some missionaries that were on the ground there in Dali, and uh, currently about that, and they said they hadn't heard anything about it, mm-hmm. but you know, then again... Uh, the police aren't exactly going to just announce that yeah, on the news there in China. Um, and so, you know, how does that work? I don't know. Um, just over the course of the last week, one of the churches there has, um, they they kind of caught wind that the police knew where they were meeting and where they had been meeting for the last couple of years. And so they made the, uh, the decision to go ahead and try to take the initiative and just go ahead and move out of that location mm-hmm. and relocate. And they're kind of... Uh, floating might not be the best word, but they're kind of just between places right now. They've met in a home just over the course of the last week. They met in kind of, they, they rented this private room in a restaurant, uh, even today, this Sunday, um, and met there. And so, yeah, I guess you could say things are kind of amping up there. Uh, they're in Dalian even. Okay. So what is the punishment? Like if you get arrested for being a believer, well, or does it just kind of depend on where you are again? Yeah, I would say it would depend on a few things. It would depend on where you are. It would depend on, you know, uh, there's kind of this, um, how should I put this? Even even here in the States, we, we kind of have this, uh, this uh, and you see it in cartoons, where um, you know you see like a, a cop, and the joke is that the cop, you know, he's he all he wants to do is is sit in the coffee shop and sip his coffee and eat a donut, right? Kind of thing. Well, in China, kind of the running thing is the cops just want to sit in the police station and they want to sip on tea, smoke their cigarettes, and just chat away. Um, and so that's kind of uh, kind of the way things go. And so there, though there are these laws in place, they don't really have much motivation to enforce them unless mm-hmm. you do, like I just mentioned, you have that quota or you right. have these other. Things things going on. And um, so, you know, it's really this, uh, how much or do they want to punish or, or how much would they punish? I, I would say that, you know, typically, um, unless a believer is very outspoken against the government, mm-hmm. which we actually have seen instances of that just over the course of 2018, there's probably not going to be much pushback from the government. There's not going to be much 
um, many arrests or anything like that. They might occasionally come by and just want to kind of see what's going on, but on the whole, not much. Um, but however, once you throw an American into the mix or you throw any other foreigner into the mix, they might be thinking, well, this, the government's view and even some Chinese, uh, uh, just, you know, everyday people, their view might be, well, this is, um, some some type of outside influence that's trying to subvert our government, subvert mm-hmm. our way of life, um, and so uh, there there's almost uh, and I I know personally two Americans that have been kicked out of China mm-hmm. um, for uh, well one for starting churches there and one he was actually in language school at the time that the other one was arrested and was really uh, almost just guilty by association, mm-hmm. um, but both of them. Um, were they were arrested and they were given I don't remember how many days uh, before they had to leave the country and then were um, essentially told once you leave the country you have to stay out for five years mm-hmm. and so they're actually towards the if I if my calculations right they're about four and a half years into that five year ban and uh, I would have to talk to them and see if they have any plans of going back into the mainland anytime soon and of course then you have to wonder well if they've had this five year ban on them. Um, they probably would have record in the system at the airport for like, well, they had a five-year ban and now it's five years in a day, right. you know, or should we keep a special eye out on them? I, I don't mm-hmm. know the answer to any of those questions, but um, all that to say, that would be more of a repercussion that Americans might face as being uh, being deported, being kicked out of the country. Right, okay. which would be a good, like if that were to happen, that would be a good use of your social media, like you were talking about earlier, like getting in contact with people, because then you could still witness to them and have that contact. And- That's right. And in fact, uh, those two uh, Americans, both of them have uh, have since relocated to Taiwan, and uh, they are not only starting churches in Taiwan, but they've been able to, or the one that, that had already established some churches there in mainland China, he's been able to communicate with those churches that were there still. He he kind of, uh, I don't know all the details, but what my understanding is that he provides kind of remote uh, training and, and further discipleship even via the internet for them. Okay. Um, and so it's pretty cool what uh, what technology enables us to be able to do today. Yeah. You know, you're you're not allowed into a country and yet you can still get in virtually mm-hmm. and, and still have, have some influence. And yeah. so... That's cool. So how receptive um, as a whole are the Chinese people to Christianity? At least in your experience. Sure. I would say that there's kind of two answers to that question in that um, they, at least from my perspective, seem to be quite receptive. But I think that receptivity is in part due to the fact that I am American. And so, and I've had Chinese people tell me this before, that in their minds, it's almost as though, okay, we, we understand that America is a developed country, their, their, their development is even beyond our own, and so we, we kind of look up to America economically and in and, and, and those other ways, um, and almost as like a, like a role model country in, in some regards, and so... But yet we're taught in school uh, atheism, and we're taught that uh, religion is bad, and yet we watch American movies on the internet and American TV shows, and those indicate that some Americans pray before they eat a meal, uh, some of them go to church, they might get married in church, they have at least some that they see that Americans on the whole have some form of religion, more or less, for, for a lot of us, and 
excuse me. And so in their minds, they're thinking, well, how does that work? Because we're, we're being taught that the way to advance is to get rid of all of this religious foolishness. Mm-hmm. And yet we see that they are more advanced than we are, and yet they seem to adhere to that quote-unquote religious foolishness. And so how does that work? And so that kind of piques their curiosity. And they, they will say, well, you know, that, that's kind of weird that you, you're spiritual, you, you hold to a religion, and yet your country seems to be so much farther along than ours, and we're told that the way to get that far is to get rid of religion. Mm-hmm. And so that, that piques their curiosity. Now, on the other side of that, that's how receptive they are to an American uh, or to some other foreigner perhaps. But um, for Chinese, um, I would say that that would be a bit different. Um, that, in fact, maybe Annie Grace, you could chime in on this. Uh, 他们会好奇，就是会感兴趣，会想了解，但是假如说之前，嗯，可能对基督教有误解的话，那他们会会有点害怕，会嗯，会怀疑。Yeah, so she's uh she said that um on the whole they'd still be curious even hearing the gospel, uh, maybe even from a Chinese person. You know, like, well, why do you believe that? Isn't that kind of what Westerners believe? You know, isn't that it's kind of weird that you would believe what what we think white people would believe? Um, but then she said also that um, she knows she has friends in China that uh, they kind of had a bad first experience with Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some cults that exist in China that are more or less exclusive to China, mm-hmm. um, and so they are. That they kind of take what we would perceive a cult to be like, and they kick it up a notch. So, not only do they teach f- false doctrine, uh, teach against the Bible, but they they actually can be almost to the point of violence in some instances. Um, and, and so, without getting into too many of those details, um, we have a friend. Um, or I'm thinking of one specifically. Uh, she might know of more than one um, that was invited to one of these cult meetings but of course she just thought well this is a this is a church and so she didn't know much about christianity she was curious she went but then she she gets in the car to go and they blindfold her mm-hmm. and they're taking her to this weird place and then she gets there and they're wanting her they're almost wanting to force her to to give money to them before she's allowed to be driven blindfolded and driven back and mm-hmm. i mean she just felt like she was kidnapped and yeah. and uh, and but in her mind that is christianity cuz she has no other way to to process what what happened she just mm-hmm. thinks well they said that they're christians they said I was going to church. Mm-hmm. They, they they blindfold me and take me to this place. They basically forced me to empty my wallet, and then they blindfold me and take me back. And and now, you know, here's myself and, and Annie Grace. We're inviting her to a real church, and she's like, well, what's the difference? Because she doesn't know. And so um, you do have instances like that as well. Okay. Hmm. How would you describe um, the culture change uh, for you uh, moving over there when you did um, – Learning a whole new language, learning a whole new culture, uh, was the area that you went to. Was it pretty westernized as far as um, moving in and fitting in? Or um, I would say kind 
middle of the road, I think, for at least where China was back in 2010. Um, not to get off on too much of a tangent, but China is a very quickly developing country. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's been said before, and, and um, I'm hoping I don't misquote this, but um, that a Chinese person that lived, that was born before the Cultural Revolution in China, which the Cultural Revolution was from 1966 to 1976, and that was kind of when all the foreigners were kicked out and when you hear all these stories about China not having a lot of food to eat and things like that. So if they were born pre-1966 and they live till today, modern China, you know, 2019, they will have experienced more societal change over the course of their life than would a uh, an American that would have been born pre-Civil War and was still alive today. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And so they, like, like imagine... Um, for, for everyone listening out there, imagine you were born pre-Civil War. I mean, you were born, and, and Abe, Abe Lincoln isn't necessarily in office yet, mm-hmm. and then you are still alive in 2019. So you have gone from, like, the age of, like, railroad to, I mean, space exploration and yeah. um, iPhones and yeah, the self, Internet. Self-driving cars. Um, and, yeah. and it's just a completely different thing, and that's kind of what has happened in China over the last 50 or so years. Mm. Um, and, and so the five, just the five years that I lived in China, from 2010 to 2015, and the particular city that I lived in, um, when I arrived there, and keep in mind, not, uh, close to a million people, um, they went from one McDonald's and one Kentucky Fried Chicken in the whole city. Those would be the only things that would be like American food. To I leave in 2015, and there were, I believe, five McDonald's, six KFCs, two Pizza Huts, a Papa John's, two Dairy Queens, two Starbucks, um, and it just blew up in five years. Oh, wow. But what's what's crazy about it is, from a Chinese perspective, that's not blowing up. That's regular pace of development. Mm-hmm. Um, they just they're constantly changing. We had we had no what we would consider here in America to be kind of like modernized shopping malls mm-hmm. in that city in 2010. By the 2015, they had like three or four. Oh wow! Um, and we're talking like two story. Um, big malls that would, you know, have restaurants, have plenty of shops and things like that. Um, you know, even have like arcades and, you know, things that you would see in a mall here in America. They mm-hmm. had uh, there in this city of China that five years before had none of that. And so everything's changing so fast. And so all that to say, when I got there, it actually wasn't very American. Um, you know, I remember there was a time when I had a lot of McDonald's. I'd go by McDonald's a lot just because, you know, you go to these Chinese restaurants, they're kind of a hole-in-the-wall place, and you're looking at the guy sitting next to you, and you're like, man, he's eating really good. I want to order that, but you don't know how to say it. Mm. And you're looking at the menu, I'll and you pick it up, having. and the whole menu's in Chinese. You don't even know how to say, I'll have what he's having. You don't know how to say, I, I want that. And so you kind of know how to say that, but you feel kind of awkward, like, pointing at the guy's plate right. and <laughs> running. And so, you know, like, I go to the McDonald's, and it wasn't so much because, I wanted to eat McDonald's, but it was because their menu had pictures on it. Oh. Oh, yeah. And so I could, like, they had, like, a little menu sitting out on the counter with pictures. And so I could point, and I could mumble in Chinese, I want this. And it's kind of like <laughs> grunt and point, and it wasn't as bad. And so there was a time where, you know, like, for a few weeks where I, I literally, I was, like, in McDonald's, like, every day. Like, the one McDonald's in the whole city. And I was like, this is my lunch stop for the day. <laughs> were they you know, like, oh, we know again. what he wants. <laughs> really, they yeah. were. I was like, oh, the white guy's here again. There's that guy. He's uh, he's back here for his chicken sandwich, um, and so he's point and grunt some um, more. Yep. 
excuse me. And so um, anyway, but you know, there was this point where I kind of got to the place. I was like, you know what? I have really got to kind of revamp some things and really work on learning Chinese. And I almost had to kick myself in the pants and say, I'm going to do this. Um, and the Lord bless, you know, you, at first you're like, I don't even know how to learn a language. You know, mm-hmm. I did high school Spanish, but this is different. And, um, you know, you went from just trying to memorize a few words for a test to all of a sudden, like, I got to remember this word because I got to go down to the store and I got to buy, you know, a box of tissues mm-hmm. and I better figure out how to buy a box of tissues. Um, or I got to go get my hair cut and I better figure out how to say it right. Or I'm going to walk away from this thing with a mohawk. And I don't <laughs> want a mohawk. And so, you know, there's all these things and there's kind of that pressure on, um, and so it was a learning experience, and there were plenty of times I messed up, plenty of times I got laughed at, mm-hmm. and um, it's a humbling thing, um, but it's a good thing. And I think that um, you know through that I was able to learn so much about the culture, so I learned a lot about the way Chinese people think, and of course that opened the door for me uh, meeting Annie Grace, and um, and and us eventually getting married and being where we are today. And so the Lord He's been really good. Um, but yeah, the culture and the language that was both of those were. Interesting. How did you end up learning the language? Did you go to a language school or online? Or? I didn't. Uh, the The city that, that we were in, Longyan, it actually, um, as big as it was, when I got there in, in 2010, I, I was one of only six non-Asian people in the city that I knew of. Wow. There might have been others, but imagine you were one of only you know six um, white people in a a city of of like a million. And so, you know, I, I, I stood out in a sense, but at the same time, there was one American there that already spoke Chinese and the others, you know, they might've been able to kind of order at a restaurant or something, but they weren't very conversational. They weren't very fluent. And so I was the only one that was where they were, but was wanting to get to where that one guy was. And so there wasn't really a market in the city for let's open up this school that's going to okay. teach Chinese to foreigners because mm-hmm. they're just, I was the only one interested. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other guy, he had actually learned in another city and then moved to this city. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of uh, more on the towards the I don't know. I can't say that I was the first American to ever learn to speak Chinese in this particular city, but I'm, I'm the first one I know of. Right. And so it was kind of uh, being thrown into things. What I did is there was a website at the time that uh, you could subscribe to. You'd pay like a yearly subscription fee, but they had these podcasts in Chinese. Mm. And so um, I actually would go online. I'd download a podcast or two, and it was cool. They, they actually had them arranged by topic. So by difficulty level and then my topic. So I'd start at the beginner level and I'd learn how to say like, hey, how are you? And do all those things. And then I'd kind of go up to the next level and um, the podcast would teach you things like how to get a haircut or how to order a plate of fried rice at the restaurant. Or if you wanted to splurge on yourself and go down to the pizza restaurant, you could order a pizza. Hmm. Um, and they might the podcast would even teach you things like how to say I want half pepperoni, half cheese and things like that. They have different lessons for things. Mm-hmm. So I'd go and what I'd do is I'd download these podcasts at night. I'd think about what I have to do tomorrow. Well, I got to get a haircut. I don't want that mohawk, so I better listen to a few <laughs> lessons about getting my haircut. Mm-hmm. And then I wake up in the morning, I get up kind of early, and I actually go and I had this kind of like the circuit around town that I walk. And I just get up and I walk um, before going into work that day, and I walk around for an hour or two, and I'd be listening to this podcast as I go. And then, you know, along my walk, I'd stop and I'd, I'd stop and buy, you know, something to drink here, and I'd stop over there and buy, buy my breakfast, and I kind of do things and practice along the way. So I'm mm-hmm. listening, I'm practicing as I go, and then I go back home. And the the uh, that podcast site they had a lot of um, like 
exercises online. So you could like click play on a sentence and it would read the sentence to you and you could try to guess what it was and then click another button and it'd show you what the sentence was Mm -hmm. and things like that. And so just kind of like different exercises that helped me learn. So I did a lot of different things like that. And then just practicing with people um, as my Chinese got to be somewhat conversational. So it was about a year, I guess, into learning Chinese before I was comfortable Mm -hmm. speaking um, the language, and then it was maybe another year before people were comfortable listening to me speak. <laughs> um, so, but you anyway. were teaching English at the same time, is that right? That's right. So, did you ever get to the point where it's like, oh, I'm going to teach you English, and then you're going to listen to me speak Chinese and see if we can figure this out, or did that ever happen? Um, well, the way it worked at that school for children was they they honestly, um, and this is the way a lot of these schools are in China, they don't particularly, uh, unfortunately, they don't particularly care that their students learn English. Um, they're more into just, just making money. I mean, they're these private schools. They just want to make some money. Um, and so, yes, be in there and, and teach English. But they told me, they said, if you want to lecture in Chinese and just, te- you know, kind of like you, you know, you're in high school Spanish. And mm-hmm. so most of the time that's your teacher is in English explaining Spanish to you. Right. So they were like, if you want to in Chinese explain English to them, go for it. And so, like, I I would try to work towards that. And, you know, it started out, I mean, I couldn't do much, but I would try to throw in Chinese here and there. And these kids, I mean, they're kids, and they're going to make fun of you. Yeah. They're not going to be, like, nice adults that are like, oh, you, you, you botched our language, right. but you did such a good job. They're yeah. not going to do that. Yeah. They're going to call it like they see it, and they're going to look at you funny if they mm-hmm. don't know what you said. And if they know what you said, but you said it really off, they're going to laugh. <laughs> and so I got made fun of so much by these little... <laughs> I mean, just these little kids, yeah. and um, you know, it's just Tough like, it's like, yeah, it really was. <laughs> and uh, I mean, you think like it was a lot of like the the there were other kids as young as kindergarten and as old as high school at this uh, this private school, but mm-hmm. the target was like third to sixth grade. Oh. And so you got to think, so I mean, really they're just like, crap. they were ripe for, I mean, I was ripe for the picking on, I guess. <laughs> I mean, they just love to just lay into me. And I mean, they would talk to me, not just about how bad my Chinese was, but they would tell me about how fat I was and all this oh, other no. stuff. And they would, they were ruthless. Oh, no. But in all of that, it really did help me to refine the way I spoke because I mean, they would, they would, you know, some of them, they'd call me on the floor, like right then and there, I'd be mid, mid lecture. And they'd say, you said that wrong. <laughs> And I try to say it again, and you said that wrong. And um, well, you know and, what I'm trying to say. And I right. and I like, well, how do you say it? And then they'd intentionally say it wrong to try to get me to repeat it. And like, no, how do you really say it? And but it was fun, and right. they liked class. They enjoyed class because of that kind of dynamic. Right. And then I enjoyed it too, and it was a good learning experience for me. So we we taught each other. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. So when you go um, back to China, what is I guess your game plan? Yeah, so, um, well, as I already mentioned, we'll go for two years to Dalian Mm -hmm. uh, there and work with them. After that, um, we would, Lord willing, branch off. We'd be in some other city. Um, We are not entirely sure where that would be yet. Uh, There's a few options out there. Uh, Well, I guess the options are somewhat uh, only limited by how many cities there are in China. But at the same time, uh, we were actually a part, and and I haven't shared this yet this evening, but we're a part of a team of missionaries out of our mission board. So our mission board is Vision Baptist Missions, Mm -hmm. and we're we're actually uh, there with Vision Baptist Church in Alpharetta, Georgia, in the Atlanta, Georgia area. And our mission board, uh, Vision Baptist Missions, or VBM, uh, we our group of missionaries to the Chinese-speaking world. So there are currently uh, seven of us, 
to uh, mainland China, and there's one of us in Taiwan, one of the ones that was kicked out that I mentioned, and then there's actually another one who very soon, uh, Lord willing, will be uh, headed to Taiwan as well, so he'll be the ninth uh, on our team, and we call ourselves Vision for China, and so um, currently we have uh, these different, uh, what we call initiatives uh, for China, and basically initiatives are kind of our strategy or our game plan to put missionaries in different parts of China. And so because currently kind of the the hub of what's going on with our team in China at least is in the city of Dalian, uh, there have been, uh, there's a grouping of 10 cities there in Northeast China that we have selected that uh, we would like for there to be two missionary families in each of those cities. Um, and so that, you, you just do some quick math on that, 10 cities, two families per city, that's 20 families that we're looking for, and right now we've just got nine, mm-hmm. and two of them are actually going to Taiwan. So there's still a lot of room to grow, and that's just Northeast China. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but the the idea behind it is kind of twofold. One, we, I mean, these cities genuinely need missionaries to establish churches there, because what happens is, yes, there perhaps are churches in these cities, but they don't... Uh, they they maybe are more struggling or they don't have a lot of uh, good Bible teaching, a lot of established doctrine. Um, others may not even have a pastor or the pastor is very new to the faith as well. Um, it's often said in China you have like the two-year-old believer teaching the one-year-old believers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, wanting to get missionaries there that can teach the Word of God, that can start churches and train up, pastors that would be strong enough to go out and start other churches as well. And so um, the, these initiatives are, yes, to to accomplish that in more of a long-term sense, but also to show Americans here in the States the need in China. Because what happens is, is, is we, and, and one thing that we fear even is like us on deputation, we're going to different churches and then people hear about us, Vision for China, they say, wow, you've got like eight people. Well, if there's already eight missionaries in China, well, maybe I should go to some other country. And, and we want to show, well, no, actually, we're in a country of a billion and a half people. Mm-hmm. And so in China, really, we need we need that many more missionaries to come. And so, you know, there is there is a place. And if you're out there listening right now, if I could if I could just put a plug out there Go and say, yeah. we we need more people to come to China. We need more people to surrender to be missionaries to China, because you got to think, one, it's just a huge place. And and let's think about it. You've got eight people. Do you really really think that eight people can effectively reach a billion and a half people with the gospel. I mean, let's just say the seven of us that are that are either currently in or are on deputation to end up in the mainland, you have, let's say, seven people, and it's actually technically 1.4 billion people in the country. So seven missionaries, you're looking at 0.2 billion, 200 million people that each of us would have to reach with the gospel to reach China with the gospel. I don't know that I'm going to see 200 million people over the course of my lifetime, right. much yeah. less have the opportunity to share the gospel with them, much less have the opportunity to disciple them in the faith or any of those things. And so we need more people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I mentioned earlier, 160 cities in China, at least, it might be 180, but just to be safe, 160 cities at least in China that have at least a million people in them. Mm. Um and even if, I mean, who who out there do you know that shared the gospel with a million people? Yeah. I mean, you might be able to say like Billy Graham. You might be able to throw out a few other names like that. But, right. I mean, these cities each need more than just one missionary. Mm-hmm. And there's 160 of these cities. Yeah. And so we just, we need an army. And um, 
And so, you know, how do you do that? Well, you know, you, you, you've got to let the Lord stir hearts and you've got to raise awareness. And actually, and I, I wish I had a copy here to show you because I realize I haven't showed you yet this evening. Our, our team, our Vision for China team, the eight of us, we've actually just published a book. Um, and, and so I'll, I'll kind of plug that here as well. Um, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, if you could give us a link to it too, we'll link to it down in the notes. Absolutely. And so what we have is um, we, we've written this book and, and we call it A Thousand Lives. And, and it's based on uh, Hudson Taylor. Uh, missionary to China from about 150 years ago, founder of the China Inland Mission, he said, uh, if I had a thousand pounds, China should have it. If I had a thousand lives, China should have them. No, not China, but Christ. Can we do too much for him? Can we do too much for such a precious Savior? And so based on that quote, it's like, you know, we, and what Hudson Taylor did, he actually wrote a book, uh, back 150 years ago that explained how needy this country China was and how much they needed missionaries and he published it and he raised up other missionaries through this book to go and be a part of the China Inland Mission to go to China. One of them, Jonathan Goforth, which is a pretty recognizable name from missions history. Jonathan Goforth read this book that Hudson Taylor wrote and he already felt called to be a missionary to China but he wasn't sure how to go about doing it. He read that book and he was just like a fireball all of a sudden. He started going around sharing what he had learned in this book with other churches, uh, raised up his support, and he went to China. And he was, he was uh, Jonathan Goforth was a Canadian man. He actually was the first member of the China Inland Mission to be from North America because, of course, Hudson Taylor and the mission at that point was from England, was in England. And so, um, uh, anyway, kind of along that same lines, uh, we wanted to write a book to encourage people to be missionaries to China. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there's eight chapters in the book. Each of, of us eight have written a chapter. And it basically, it's, we're all kind of taking different angles. But the point is, surrender to China. Be a missionary to China. Go to China. Give your, you, you're, you're a believer. And the idea, the kind of the premise, the, the, the angle that we took on the book was, imagine that you are sitting at a coffee shop with a young man who is considering being a missionary to China, considering to be a missionary. Or maybe he's not considering it. But he just doesn't know what he wants to do with his life. And you have an hour or so to sit with him and you just, you give it your all and you want to convince him to be a missionary to China. What do you say to him? Mm-hmm. And so all eight of us took that angle and we just said, okay, and we're just, we just went through. And so each of our chapters is written kind of with that in mind, like be a missionary to China. And we think of, we each kind of have our different objection that we try to tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's different things, um, you know, well, I'm, I'm afraid or, well, you know, what if I get kicked out or, um, well, there's so many people there. How could I handle that? Or, um, well, you know, I hear about all these people teaching English or, or whatever, you know, how should I, uh, how should I go about being a missionary in China? China once I'm there and we all kind of take our own angles and we we address those um and so anyway um uh, it's called a thousand lives and uh I will I will get a link to you if you want you can go ahead and and, and get this down uh, our website is www.visionforchina.org and if you navigate to that site and then on the sidebar there there's going to be a link that says a thousand lives book project you click there and then on that a thousand lives book project page you're going to find all the relevant links um, you can order physical copy of the book from Amazon uh, there is an audible version of the book on Amazon there is an ebook version that you can download um, and all the it'll take you to all of those places um, and so if anyone out there listening to this podcast is interested I would encourage you please go and get that book um, um, we need more missionaries to China. 
Mm-hmm. And we would we would love to have have those interested read that book and consider that. Yeah, thank you yeah. so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I apologize. My question's been all over the place. I've just been enjoying listening to you and hearing about your passion for China. Mm-hmm. Now, um, if, if we have listeners on here that are hearing this and they want to have you uh, come to their church and present um, just what you you have here and what you did for our church tonight, mm-hmm. uh, where would they go to uh, contact you? Yeah, sure. Well, there's a couple of ways. Um, online, we, uh, myself and Annie Grace, we have a website, um, www.reachingchina.org. And that's just kind of, uh, I guess you could say my personal blog, um, has some information about us that you can find there. Um, and then also, of course, um, if, if someone was interested in that, they could also send me an email at austin at reachingchina.org. Uh, that would work as well. Um, and so, yeah, I would love the opportunity to to present our ministry in other churches. Okay. Do you guys have any social media? Yes, we do. Um, we, well, we're on Facebook, but just we have personal pages. And okay. so um, I don't know my wife's offhand. She might not either. But <laughs> um, mine would just be uh, austin.till1, like the numeral one. So austin.till1. I think that's right. Let me double check. I've got a cheat sheet here. Yes, austin.till1. Is that on Facebook? Yes, that's on Facebook. Okay. Um, I do have a Twitter, but I don't use it, and so I could give that to you, and you could follow my account from a very long time ago, <laughs> but um, might be kind of boring for you. Right. But there is that Facebook there. Okay. Um, and then also, I, I will say that Vision for China does have social media. So if you okay. search for... Um, Vision for China on Facebook, you would be able to find our group page, uh, or it's not, a, it's not a group. It's a, um, well, it, it's our team page. Okay. So I, yeah. I would, however you term that, I yeah. forget, forgive me. <laughs> um, we do have a Twitter. So I believe that's twitter.com slash VBM China. And we have an Instagram, instagram.com slash VBM China. Um, and you can also find us on YouTube. We're starting to work on getting some videos up there. And so um, that we don't have our own URL for yet. But if you just go on YouTube and you search Vision for China, you would probably be able to find it okay. somewhere there. Yeah, we'll mm-hmm. keep an eye on that too. And then can you tell me a little bit about the uh, Go Forth China tour? Absolutely. Uh, so the Go Forth China tour is a pretty unique opportunity that we, actually myself and Annie Grace, have uh, this upcoming summer. So the idea is... Um, kind of loosely based on the life of Jonathan Goforth in that when he was a missionary in China, he was predominantly in Northeast China. And he was quite the evangelist. You know, uh, Hudson Taylor, yes, very much an evangelist, a preacher, but he, he he's more known for raising up more missionaries to go to China, whereas Jonathan Goforth is known for a lot of revivals that took place in kind of the Northeast part of China. And so going on this trip, what we'd like is we're inviting young people to come. Um, it's going to be uh, from June the 30th through about July the 11th. That's what we're looking at. So about a week and a half, about 12 days, I believe, uh, that we would be uh, at least away from the States. Uh, so maybe about 10 days there on the ground in China. But going to different places that Jonathan Goforth was there in China and kind of seeing what he did, learning about what he did and how the Lord blessed what he did, but then also seeing what the Lord's doing now. And how even though, you know, then there, the government in China was very different. You know, he arrived in China. It was still uh, in kind of the dynastic period. And then uh, he lived into the days that it was a republic. But now it's... it's it's communist China, so things are different, but the Lord is still working regardless. And he 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 has worked through Jonathan Goforth. He is working through missionaries there now, but we also want young people to see that he can continue to work in China through you. Mm-hmm. 
if you would surrender yourself to be used of him in that way. And so we uh, we currently have, and I have to do a quick count in my head, one, two, three, four, uh, about five or six young people that are registered to go on this trip. Um, and if anyone else out there is listening, please feel free. And you can learn more about the trip. You can go to, there's a kind of an extension to our website. So it would be www.reachingchina.org slash goforthchinatour. And if you go there, you can learn about this trip, and there's going to be a registration form uh, down there at the bottom. You can go ahead and fill that out. The site actually mentions submitting the deposit when you when you submit that registration form. You don't have to. So go ahead, fill out the registration. I'll get some information, then I can send you a packet of more information about this trip. And so, again, that's this upcoming summer, um, June 30th through July 11th, thereabouts. Uh, we haven't purchased tickets yet, so those dates aren't completely set in stone, but of 2019. And so we'll be going... Uh, specifically to Dalian, uh, China there, and then uh, a, a couple other places as well, and, and seeing the need. You know, in, in Lamentations, uh, the Bible says, Mine eye affecteth mine heart. And so we're wanting to let young people that are already considering missions, considering what God would have them do with their life, to go to China, to see the need, and then let the Lord work through that and through His Word and let them realize, hey, I can be used of the Lord here as well and, and, and give my life to, to evangelism here in China. Mm-hmm. I guess kind of a follow-up question on that. If we have listeners here that are um, feeling that that they may be called to missions, Mm -hmm. um, do you have any recommendations on maybe books that they should read or resources that they should, I guess, uh, what what would you... um, Advice. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Adv- advice you would have yes. for them. Absolutely. So, I'm glad um, Beth's here. <laughs> so, being a missionary to China and having just written this book, I would. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say it again. A thousand lives. I would love to uh, to get you a copy of that book. Um, I already mentioned that you can go to the website there and. Um, and find the the different links uh, to being able to get that on Amazon. You can email me uh, asking for a copy of the book, and I would love to figure out a way to to get that to you. Whether it, you know if you want an audio version that you can listen to, or if you you're you're more prone to want to read on your Kindle or on your phone, I can get that that those links to you as well, or even you know ma- maybe mail you a copy. But I'd love to give you a copy of that book. Um, and uh, honestly. Um, you know, you had Brady and Sarah here recently, and Brady has written a couple of books as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them is very much about why you should be, why you could, should consider being a missionary, written mm-hmm. by Brady Van Winkle. And uh, I've read through that book. It's a great resource. It's really kind of a conglomeration of a lot of blog articles that he has written over the course of the last year or two, just about, you know, practical steps to becoming a missionary. And it starts, I mean, guys, if you're listening to this and you're in middle school or you're in high school and you're thinking, well, I can't even go to a training center yet. I haven't finished school yet. You get a hold of this book that Brady wrote, read it, and it's going to tell you about like, okay, you can't you can't necessarily go and get training now to be a missionary, but where you are in your church, wherever you are in America, you can um, you can certainly serve in your church. You know, you can talk to your pastor about opportunities to serve. You know, make sure you've got those spiritual disciplines down. Reading your Bible every day, mm-hmm. praying every day, sharing your faith with those around you regularly, doing all of these things. And, and go ahead and trying to, to really kind of sharpen the tools in your toolbox, uh, kind of proving um, your your weapons, as it were. You know, you have in, 
in in Samuel you have David he's getting ready to go fight Goliath and he's he's standing before King Saul and he's like he's basically telling Saul he's saying Saul I'm going to go kill I'm going to go kill that giant and Saul's like uh you look like a bit of a run of a kid um how about you take my armor well you know the bible already said Saul's like head and shoulders above the rest of the people in Israel so he's got this massive armor he should be the one going to fight Goliath you know mm-hmm. you've got the tallest guy in Israel should be fighting the tallest guy among the Philistines but he's afraid but he he's like I'm going to give you my armor so he's given him his armor, and David says, I'm not taking that. I haven't proved your armor yet. I haven't proved your weapons yet. And he's like, I'm just going to go with my trusty slingshot um, and, you know, knowing that the Lord's blessed when I fought the lion and the bear before. And so, you know, have you, and what Brady will encourage you to do in that book is, you know, have you wrestled with the lion? Have you wrestled with the bear? Have you practiced with your slingshot? Have you done all of those things now here so that when you get to China and you're facing that giant, will you be able to take him out? kind of thing. And so just those basic things, you know, reading your Bible, praying, all those things, and he'll kind of walk you through different different tips about um, about things you can do just practically. You know, researching countries, praying for the world, and all those things that you can do now so that once you finish school and you have opportunity to pursue missions uh, full-time, whether that be being at the training center or what have you, um, uh, there at Vision Baptist Church, uh, you'll, you'll be more prepared for that. Awesome. Well, thank you guys again so much for being yeah, here. Yeah, we'd love to you. we'd love to catch up with you again whenever sure. we get to China to see how things are going over there. And Absolutely, yeah. yeah, awesome. Well, thank you again. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the New Revival Podcast. Be sure to check out Austin and Annie Grace website at reachingchina.org. Also, follow along on their Facebook at austin.till, then the number one. You can go to visionforchina.org and click on the A Thousand Lives Book Project tab to find the book that Austin um, co-wrote. And also, please don't forget to check out our social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at New Revival Podcast. Also, um, Austin had mentioned at the end the Go Forth China Tour. If you're interested in that, the dates are tentatively June 30th through July 11th. And for more information on that, you can go to reachingchina.org forward slash go forth China tour. Thanks for listening. Thank you.